Ahí va Bota. Pelota para Eric Gutiérrez. Cae solo. El gol. Bota, gol. Welcome to another special edition of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra, in which I will be talking El Tri. Uh, we're going to start today with a chat about the game last night against the US, and then I'm going to move on to a bit of Confederations Cup talk, mostly based around your questions. So, yeah, let's get straight into it today. One all last night between the US and Mexico. A pretty frantic game, I'd say. A, a fairly entertaining one um, that was not not short on quality, but it wasn't, wasn't the best standard of football uh, at times. But there was a lot of good play on show. So I'm just going to run through a, a few things that I, I took from the game. You know, in the grand scheme of things, Although this this game matters so much for fans in terms of the rivalry, in the grand scheme of things, this is not a big game for Mexico. They're top of the group. It looks like I mean they will go to the World Cup. The the odds are like ninety nine point seven or point eight percent that they'll go, and the likelihood is they'll go as uh, winners of the hex, which would be fantastic. Um, so obviously this game matters for fans, but in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't a really important match. But there's still plenty we can take from it. So here we go. First of all, um, as so many people have mentioned, and rightly so, the big star of the day was Hector Herrera. So Herrera had been, for a long time, very disappointing, I would say. You know, for, for Porto, it's been in and out of the team. Um, for Mexico, he's played a lot. He's actually played more than anyone else since uh, Juan Carlos Osorio took over. But uh, he hasn't done very well. He's normally played the more advanced role, and I haven't been impressed. Most people haven't been impressed, and many people have been questioning his his place in the side and whether someone like Orbelín Pineda or Eric Gutierrez should be given the opportunity instead. But uh, he, once again, got the game on Sunday, but in a different role. With Andres Guardado out, Herrera was moved from a more advanced role to the deep-lying playmaker role. And in this position, he was absolutely fantastic. So Herrera had an 89% passing accuracy throughout the game, which is very, very good. Normally, with that sort of passing accuracy, you're thinking... Lots of simple passes, lots of sideways or backwards passes. Uh, you know, sort of um, like you imagine from Guido Pizarro when he plays for Tigres. But this wasn't the case. Sure, he played some simple passes, but so many times his passes were penetrating. They were splitting. They were taking defenders out of the game. Helped by Jonathan Dos Santos, who was the more advanced of, of the two central midfielders, Dos Santos was regularly making forward runs. And Dos Santos was often positioning him himself between the US goal and between the US midfield. Then um, Herrera was, was regularly finding Dos Santos, or sometimes Fabian, or Chicharito as he dropped it, 
with by playing passes through the uh, U.S. midfield and yeah, finding his teammates um, with an 89% success rate. Now, the reason that this is, is such a significant thing to, to be playing these, these passes that break through lines is that it takes players out of the game. It beats players. When a, when a player beats an, an opponent with a dribble, um, it's, it's spectacular. It's something which is very exciting and gets our attention. And we notice it as a, a major feat. But in essence, playing a pass that takes a defender out of the game is doing pretty much the same thing. Yeah, you have to take into account that your teammate has to control the ball, whereas when you dribble, you are in control of the ball normally. So there's a slight discrepancy there, but still, in essence, you are taking a player out of the game. So what he was doing throughout the match um, by playing balls that went through the American midfield was really, really significant. And uh, he was doing it with great accuracy. He also made three tackles, one interception, and hit the ball with a stunning, stunning free kick. Great shame that didn't go in. That would have been an amazing goal to win the game. The only thing that Herrera didn't show, which Guardado excels in, is long-range passing. Very rarely did we see him playing those um, sort of raking balls across the field, picking out the wide men to, to switch the play quickly. But overall, I was really impressed with Herrera, and it, it does make you think. You know, is he is that his best role? Is that his best position? Is he wasted in a more advanced role? Certainly, I'd like to see him play more box to box than um, often he's he's been used seemingly as an actual attacking midfielder and I like to see him used more as a box to box midfielder but yeah definitely a positive sign to see Herrera picking up some form uh, as we head into the Confederations Cup next thing I'd say which is on the negative side is that and I'm going to come into this later because I was asked about it um, defensive concerns maintain I think that's that's where I think people are, are, are worried and distrustful of, of this um, Mexico team under Osorio. So many games they've managed to get through and get results, but they've looked shaky at the back. Again, we saw a very open Mexico defence last night. They were holding a very high line with a pretty attacking mindset on what is a very big Azteca pitch at, at high altitude, so difficult to travel um, long distances plus he went with four centre-backs across the defence so a lack of pace Mexico were opened up far too easily early on you know the Bradley goal was amazing but one slightly misplaced pass should not lead to a player being thrown goal and it did and there were a couple of times after that when uh, Wood almost got in but the offside flag went up Mexico settled and they they stopped getting hit on the counter as the game went on, which I guess is is it, I mean it's obviously a positive thing. It's tough for me to say if that was due to how Mexico changed their game though. You know, was that because Gallardo came on and added some pace to the defense? Was it that the they were more organized, or or was it just because America went one and up, sat back and didn't commit many men forward, and therefore didn't hold a threat on the counter I'm not sure but I think the defence is certainly a cause for concern particularly when Mexico will face Cristiano Ronaldo 
in the Confederations Cup. Another player to mention specifically who disappointed against the US is Chucky Lozano. And Lozano was poor, completed just one of five dribbles on the on the night. Um, many fans I saw saying that they weren't sure about him starting. Um, they obviously very disappointed that Tecatito is out and that Lozano was the most obvious replacement, but disappointed against the US. The problem was it, it, the the tactics, the style of the game just completely neutralised his threat. So Lozano has two main threats. One is, is starting out wide, cutting in, and hitting that right-footed shot. America played with a five-back. So every time he came in, even if he beat Yedlin, he had one or two defenders or even a midfielder getting back in his way. He wasn't able to complete his dribbles. He wasn't able to get shots off. The other strength of Chucky's game is that off-the-ball movement, making runs in behind the defence. That's what he's done so well for Pachuca for so long. When a team's playing really deep against you, you can't get in behind them. That was his problem. So they neutralised his two main threats. You know, he, he went to the right side, tried to switch it up. He couldn't do anything. It was too tight. The game was too compact. He didn't have any space to run into, whether on the ball or off the ball. And because he's not a great decision maker, he's not a great creator, certainly nowhere near as good as Tecatito Corona is, doesn't have the vision of Corona, it meant he was pretty much useless on the day. And he has so many strengths. He's, he's such a goal-scoring threat. But if teams play like that against him, he, he is, like I said, neutralised, and it's pretty much pointless having him on the field. Um, so I'll come back to uh, uh, Lozano in a, in a bit, because I do have a question about him. My final point from the US game is that uh, I think it showed that Mexico can cope mentally without Rafa and without Guardado, for that matter. You know, without those two players, um, many thought they would have struggled mentally and they had a massive test. Going down uh, to an early goal against the US in what is such a... It's an intimidating atmosphere at the Azteca for the away side, of course, but it is for the home team too, because they know how quickly the fans turn on them if things don't go well. So the pressure was on, and there was no obvious leader on the field. I thought Hector Moreno did a good job stepping up into that captain role, and Mexico steadied the ship. They steadied it very well, and I think that showed that they can cope mentally without Rafa. I'm not saying they will do every game. They certainly didn't do against Chile last year but I think it is possible and something Asuria needs to think about because on ability alone Rafa is nowhere near the Mexico squad right now to me he wouldn't even be considered for the gold cup squad on quality alone so if he's there just for his leadership then we need to think is is that required we saw I think on on Sunday that his leadership perhaps wasn't required Overall, I thought it was a good display from Mexico. As, like I said, I was very impressed with how they managed to come back after the shock of the early goal and stop uh, the US from taking advantage from some momentum. I was impressed with how they controlled possession during the game. Over 70% of possession is, is very impressive. And I think they showed overall that there, there is 
superior quality in the Mexico squad. But they came up against a US side that knew the job that they wanted to get done and they did it very well. You know, the early goal really played into their favour. It meant they were able to sit back very deep and not commit many men forward. They had a solid back five with um, a couple of players sitting in front. Uh, they made space in, in the final third, very, very limited for Mexico. And like I've said, when I've been talking about Tigres in the past, it's so difficult. It, it's not easy to play against a team who sit back, defend deep, compact, and are organised. It's not easy at all. So, yeah, I think the the, the best proof of, of how difficult it is comes from the fact that Mexico scored from a counter-attack. Possibly the only time that they counter-attacked in the whole game they managed to score. And how many times did they attack against a deep, solid, compact, defensive US line and, and not get anything out of them? Many, many times. So it is difficult playing against teams like that. Overall, I thought it was a, a good performance. So I'll get to uh, your questions on the Confederations Cup in a moment. But first of all, just going to quickly run through my thoughts on the squad. Because, <laughs> to be honest, it was a bit of a disappointment when I saw the squad. Um, uh, I just feel it's a squad that lacks balance, to be honest. We've got uh, two natural left-backs. Uh, and no natural right backs. I I don't understand. I know Leun is is right footed naturally, but he doesn't play as a right back. He is a natural left back, not a right back. And there are plenty of right backs to choose from within Mexico. And Osorio seems to Osorio seems to not really like any of them. Then we've got six natural centre backs. I know Salcedo and and Reyes can play there, but. They don't do a good job there, particularly. And this is one of my one of the biggest things that I, I don't quite get. And something which was quite extraordinary when I, I thought about it on the US game on Sunday. How it seems acceptable to almost put whoever you want as fullback. So you know, a fullback like any position has a set of traits and characteristics which make you good for that role. And fullback roles can de- depend. Fullback roles can differ greatly because advanced fullbacks that are pushing forward need to be very good in terms of dribbling, in terms of crossing, and they need to be very quick and they need to be have have great stamina. Um, defensive fullbacks generally. Uh, don't you know they don't need to be as good going forward but it seems still strange that you can it's it's acceptable to play a center back at fullback and a winger at fullback i mean on on sunday we saw alanis start the game at left back and then get subbed for gallardo you know two players that were playing in the same position with completely different traits and characteristics and style of play you you couldn't find two much more opposite players, yet they were playing in the exact same position. It's it's bizarre that it happens, and it's just almost acceptable. Uh, and this is a problem that I I see with Osorio. I know that Mexico, obviously with Aguilar being out for so long, we're not sure what sort of standard he's at right now. He hasn't really played enough, 
it's difficult to to say that Mexico have a top right back. I think there are a lot of good right backs. They don't have a, a, a really class one. But I still think that a natural right back like Chapo Sanchez or Dedos Lopez or even Chaka Rodriguez who got into the Gold Cup squad, Fernando Navarro, any of those guys, even pa- uh, Paolo Aguilar as well, any of those guys, because they're a natural right back, I trust them more to play right back than... Uh, Reyes or Salcedo, who are natural centre-backs and don't often play right-back. Okay, Salcedo does play a fair amount, so I can kind of let that off. But when Reyes plays there, it's just been a disaster, to be honest. And I know that he, uh, Osorio, might play the three-back a lot of times, but do you really need six centre-backs to cover? Why not take a right-back instead? The, The other problem in terms of balance is look at the midfield. Guardado, Herrera, Dos Santos. Those are the only sentiments in the squad. There's no other sentiments. So if he wants to play a midfield three, you know, 4-3-3 with three sentiments, he's got three choices. Yeah, he can play Fabian there, but he doesn't offer as much defensively. Certainly more of an attacking midfielder. And, you know, why Orbelin didn't make the squad, I, I don't understand. Again, looking at, at the balance of, of the side, you've got attacking midfield-wise, you've got Vela, Dam, Aquino, Fabian, and uh, Chucky uh, as well. And Oh, and Gio. I forgot about Gio. So you've got six attacking midfielders there, plus Chicharito, Raul Jimenez, and um, Sepia Peralta up front. So three strikers. As many strikers as sentiments, yet you're probably going to be playing with one striker. He hardly ever plays with two strikers. And six attacking midfielders when at most you're going to be playing three. I just don't understand why he's produced this squad with uh, this lack of balance, complete lack of balance for me. And uh, I think it's limited Mexico's options for the Confederations Cup. Okay, questions, questions, questions. First one from at MCHI7158 who asks, does Lozano start in the Confederations, and what's your ideal starting eleven for the Cup and your three go-to bench players? So Lozano, does he start? Uh, well, obviously I've mentioned about Lozano, and I think it depends. It's something that you should take game to game. Potentially against New Zealand, that might be uh, the sort of game that he might struggle. Although, you know, I think he has the quality against New Zealand's defenders to caused a lot of problems even if they do stick two men on him maybe Russia um, might be the sort of game to leave him as a sub option but I think against Portugal who won't sit back and defend for the whole game like the US did I think he can be very effective so yeah I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind um, seeing him start to be honest what would my ideal ideal lineup be and this links in with another question from um, at Cesar H Football, who asks, uh, the big question for me is defense. What would your starting four or starting three be? Does it depend on? Does it depend on the opponent? I think it does depend on the opponent. You know whether I think it should depend on the opponent or not. It's kind of a mute point because it does to Osorio. We've seen this in the past. He's he said that when the opposition starts with two up front, he will play with three centre-backs. So it's kind of pointless me saying that Mexico should always play with a back four because I know that that's not going to happen. 
Uh, Portugal normally play with two up front. Probably be Andre Silva and uh, Ronaldo. I think, yeah, a three-back will be uh, chosen then. It's difficult to say about New Zealand and Russia because in their recent games they've used both one up front at times and two up fronts at other times. New Zealand will think probably go with one up front just because they will probably be looking to um, pack the midfield or the defence a bit more. They'll obviously be playing very defensive in all their games in the group. But I remember last time Mexico played against New Zealand, they actually started with a back three and struggled a bit, to be honest. So yeah, what I'd like to see actually is a proper back three slash five with wing backs. I know that Osorio is a big fan of Marcelo Bielsa's 3-3-3-1 formation and very intelligent coaches and football theorists like Bielsa, like Sampaoli, like Guardiola are strong believers in the system and believe that the 3-3-3-1 is the best way to create numerical superiority across the pitch. However, it requires a immense understanding to do it. It's not a regular system that players are used to playing. It requires the two side midfielders to do an incredible job of managing to cover the wide areas and central areas at the same time, almost. I think it's an incredibly difficult formation to... Um, to carry out, to execute. And yeah, like I said, it needs a lot of practice. And I don't believe in international football, because Osorio only sees his players for small periods of time, I'm I'm not convinced that there's enough time for them to fully understand the system. And in particular, understand how to deal with the threat of wide players. Because there is a clear gap uh, that's left by playing with three centre-backs and no wing-backs. To be honest, I, I know it's very unlikely to happen, but I'd love to see something like um, Ochoa and Goal, uh, back three of uh, Moreno and uh, Reyes and Salcedo, then uh, Luis Reyes as a left wing back, Miguel Layun as a right wing back, and then a midfield of maybe Guardado and uh, Jonathan Dos Santos. Although, you know, Herrera made a good case for a starting place with his performance on Sunday. Then you can use, uh, I, I would say probably Chucky on the left, Vela on the right. And it's difficult to say who up front uh, I would judge on the team probably and, and think about whether Osorio believes that uh, we Mexico are going to get more joy from getting crosses into the box or whether they're going to be able to uh, attack through the middle more. If crosses is the way forward, then Jimenez is the obvious choice, because he's a much more of an aerial threat. So, and yeah, considering Chicharito's performances recently, I think Jimenez has a very strong case to say that he should start. The other possible change, I'd say, is... Um, putting Fabian on the left instead of Chucky. I know Fabian is normally a little bit better if he's playing centrally, but he's done well out wide um, in the Bundesliga this season. And with 
Reyes overlapping, he, there would be a wide threat there. So I think you know, he could he could um, drift inside to create. So that's what I'd like to see done, and it's not really going to happen, uh, I guess. And I know I said I should think realistically earlier when I was saying about um, you know understanding that he'd have to play with three centre backs against two strikers. But yeah, uh, you never know. Maybe maybe we will see a change of tactic from Osorio. I would certainly hope so. I think using actual wing backs will give a lot more defensive solidity, and there would still be plenty of threat going forward uh, because those two players, Reyes and Layun, have been bombing on uh, past their wingers all season, and they, uh, you know, Layun's been doing it for years. And they've been very, very effective at, at doing so. If it was a four-back, I would probably... I'd stick with the with the full-backs as they are. And I'd probably uh, drop Salcedo, go with, with Reyes Moreno. I think Reyes deserves the start after the season he's had. And then I, I'd go 4-3-3 and probably bring uh, Herrera into the midfield. Okay, next question, or questions, a couple that are quite similar. Uh, first one from at Despadre says, What's changed since Chile? Mexico doesn't seem to be in very good form, but will the players be able to rise to the occasion? And the other one from at Reed Munir says, Is it me or is it just a matter of time until Mexico faces a much better side and get outplayed again like against Chile? So what's changed since Chile? Well, it's hard to see lots that's changed, to be honest. I've... You know, I guess the main thing that's changed is that Osorio has had more time with his players. He has had more time to learn about his players and for his players to learn about him. They've had more time to understand his ideas, his tactics. And I think what we're certainly seeing is a lot less rotation and um, fewer surprises in squad call-ups. I think Osorio has taken his time probably taken longer than he needed to take but he has worked out his strongest squad now and what he believes to be his strongest squad so we're not seeing as much rotation and we're seeing pretty similar um, you know 23 men squads being or 25 men squads being called but yeah I, I, I share your fear James I do I, I am concerned because like I said earlier about the defensive issues that were evident during the beginning of the US game it does appear and although they've they seem to have strengthened mentally without Rafa it does appear that the defense is still capable of disaster it does still appear that there are often times that Mexico are far too open uh, at the back and far too culpable of getting caught on the transition on and on the counter and it's a it's a big issue and part of me thinks maybe i'm overstating it and maybe we're all overstating it because what's difficult for me when i watch mexico compared to when i watch uh liga mekis is that i actually care <laughs> i actually care about the result and i know all of you guys care so much as well more than me but difficult when you care about results it's difficult to be completely subjective because every time i see the opposition coming forward i'm a little bit nervous i'm a little bit worried that mexico are going to concede and maybe that leads to an over exaggeration 
in my mind about uh, how I perceive Mexico's defending. But on the surface, I, like many others, see Mexico as not being solid at the back right now. And like I said, particularly when they lose possession, the other team counterattacks, they're often far too open. Against a quality side and against a player like Ronaldo, who is as clinical and as deadly as anyone who has ever played football before, it's a big concern. And yeah, honestly, I have to say, I don't think it's going to be another 7-0, but I am concerned that Mexico could find themselves on the end of another heavy defeat. You know, will they be able to rise to the occasion? Like I said, positive from that US game is that mentally they did recover well from that early goal, despite Rafa and Guardado. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that they they are capable of doing it. There's, there is so much talent in the squad. Defence is concerned, but there is so much talent in the Mexico squad. I can't say whether they'll rise to the occasion or not, but I hope so. I, I really hope so. You know, I hope this is going to be a great Confederations Cup for Mexico. Okay, a couple more to come. Um, at David underscore D underscore Avila asks, are Mexico playing with fire with those tactics? You know, too many players up top. Yeah, uh, like I was saying, I, I think that sometimes they are, you know, getting caught on the transition when they lose possession. Yeah, Bradley's goal was amazing, but the fact that he had what was a pretty clear scoring opportunity straight after making an interception space in front of him with a shooting chance against a keeper who was out of position off his line yep he had to execute the chip very well and that's exactly what he did but the opportunity was there and it is concerning that all it took was Chicharito made one error and suddenly bang two seconds later it's in the back of the net is worrying and yeah against uh, top quality players top quality teams like Germany Portugal Chile it's worrying that Mexico are going to get caught when they you know, they're committed to playing out from the back which, which is great but if they lose possession they have to be capable of dealing with that they have to be able to quickly transition and get into a solid defensive shape and prevent, you know, prevent rapid penetration and uh, shooting opportunities for the opposition. Right now, I don't see that they're able to do that. So, yeah, I think they are playing with fire a little bit. Okay, final question. Um, at Nilsen Bohr asks, who do you think should start versus Portugal? Chicharito or Raul Jimenez? I saw uh, the team being better with Jimenez holding up the ball and... Uh, opening space for wingers so I didn't see the Honduras game in which Jimenez started instead of Chicharito so I can't comment on that but yeah there have been so many games in which Hernandez has been underwhelming very underwhelming and we've long said that he isn't great at link up play he certainly has improved his link-up play in the past, but he still isn't great at it. He also isn't a fantastic aerial threat. And on Sunday, we saw him playing against three centre-backs, all of whom were six foot one or taller. And his 
you've know, you got to feel for him. He's not a great player in the air. Crosses kept going into the box. He wasn't getting on the end of them. Well, of course he wasn't. He was up against three massive defenders. He wasn't the right player to be um, playing in, in a system where Mexico were only ever finding success out wide and therefore getting crosses into the box. He wasn't the right man for the job. So I think, as I said before, it should be on a game-by-game, case-by-case basis. If we feel that we're only going to get success out wide and therefore get crosses in, start Raul. If we feel that we might be able to get through balls in, you know, the opposition might be playing a higher line so we can get the the pace and the movement of uh, Hernandez to, to get in behind the opponent, then I would say start with Chicharito. And so, yeah, I would say it should go on a, a case-by-case basis. They both have strengths and weaknesses, and they should be, you you know, we should start the player who is best fit to the strengths and weaknesses of the opposition. And that's something which Osorio seems to be pretty good at. He seems to believe in that. And when it comes to strikers, when it comes to attacking players, I agree. When it comes to defenders, goalkeepers, not so much. I believe in stability and the creation of understanding between defensive players. But with players going forward, uh, I'm happy to see coaches pick um, the players depending on how well they are suited to that game and to that opposition. There is an argument that what I'm saying is is completely wrong and that attackers can benefit just as much from stability and understanding as defenders can, but I'm not as convinced about that. And uh, there are many coaches who aren't convinced about that either. All right, guys, that is it for this episode of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra. Uh, Thank you very much for listening and a big thanks to everyone who sent in the questions this week. Uh, I will catch you very soon on another episode of the podcast. Cheers, guys.